Well, good evening. Greet each one of you in the precious name of Jesus again tonight. You know, I trust as you've come, that you've come with a heart that desires to be filled with that fountain that we read about there in Isaiah. Um, it's good to see some folks from back home here tonight. Welcome, Gregory and Darlene. You know, as I have been among you this week, it's been a blessing to be here. And I guess I, I see a, as I look across uh, the, the congregation here, I see a, a church that is growing, a church that is, um, that in, and I don't know much about you all, okay? I just have that up front. But I see a healthy church in that there's this tremendous variety of ages that is represented in this church. I think that's something that speaks to a healthy church, and I'm blessed by that. And um, I've been blessed by the, the process of you all starting another congregation. This is part of, a, part of the, um, the work of the church, and, and, I, um, and so I'm, I'm blessed by that. And I'm also blessed by uh, the involvement that I see that you have in your community through the clubs program that I see you bringing children in, and, and I think that's, a, that's wonderful, and I encourage you uh, to continue that. As we look back across the week, you know, we looked at, you know, about Jesus being the center of, of our, of our uh, lives and the, the topic of repentance, our love for Jesus, our love for our fellow men. And, um, and then last night, maybe just a little bit about discipleship, okay, just in a general, general idea. So when the church has repented, when the church is, is, um, is in good relationship with Jesus Christ and is in good relationship with their fellow men, then what is the goal and what is the purpose of the church, okay? And that's kind of where my mind was going, and, and God kind of put all of those things together. I didn't really, you know, I kind of looked back over the week and said, wow, how did we get here? And then I started looking and said, what, what, should, what should the church be? So I titled the message tonight, Church, the Embassy of God's Kingdom, okay? So tonight we're going to be looking at the role of church in the world that we live in, okay? And so uh, maybe this tonight isn't so much of a, uh, of a revival-type sermon, but I want you to, to maybe, I, I kind of want you to think about it as something to reach for, an ideal to, to, to reach for as you think about um, church life. We want to look at three points tonight. Um, we want to look at the church we want to look at community, and we want to look at the connections okay, between church and community. And so that's kind of the, the format of the, um, of the message tonight. As we think about an embassy, an embassy is, you know, the United States has embassies. We, the United States have, has embassies in most countries around the world. A representation of, of, of the United States in another place. And out of that embassy, there is ambassadors that go out and they represent the United States. The embassy is their headquarters. The embassy is the place where they come back to and, 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 and work out of, okay, put it, put it that way. And, um, and so the, it's this idea of an embassy is the idea of a working relationship in a different country, okay, a working relationship uh, within uh, a maybe even at times enemy territory uh, as we think about our, our world today. It's a relationship, okay? It's a relationship 
of the United States with a country in which that embassy is placed. That's, that's basically the idea. Tonight, as I think about the title of the church being or the embassy of God here on earth, the embassy of God's kingdom, we are placed here for a purpose. And that purpose tonight is relationships that involve our kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and the society in which we live. Okay, So in that way, we, we become the embassy of the kingdom of God. And then if we are a part of a, Bible, uh, a, a biblical church, a, 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 a church that loves Jesus Christ and is on fire for Jesus Christ, then each one of us as individuals here become ambassadors because we are a part of the function of the embassy of the kingdom of God. Okay, so that's, that's, that's kind of a, a parallel or, a, or a, um, kind of something for us to put some earthly uh, meaning to maybe how the church should operate within our local communities. So what is the church tonight? We know tonight the church is the bride of Christ, a group of born-again individuals that have committed themselves to a king of a kingdom, Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, it's, it's really the church is God's ambassador program. To the world in which we live, okay? Um, and, and so how should the church today function in touching our communities that we, that we find ourselves living in? I think one of the things that we need to understand first is that as a church, we are not a church to simply create a comfort society for ourselves. Now, we're all pretty comfortable tonight, right? But is that the goal of the church? Is that what God intends for us tonight? To simply make ourselves comfortable. Yes, we've been born again and thank you Jesus and we sit down and we just fellowship together. First, we need to understand tonight that God has called us to a level of responsibility as we have committed ourselves to his kingdom. We have a level of responsibility. We want to look at that. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Some familiar verses. Verses that you can probably quote by memory. And we call it the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 18. Maybe a little different verses than we typically read with, with this. Um, actually, maybe 16 through 20. Verse 16 starts like this. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee unto a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Tonight, this is a commandment that doesn't need much explanation, right? A very clear, very, uh, not something we can expound on maybe a, a tremendous amount. But I want us to think about something tonight. Who was receiving this call? Okay, so who was receiving this call? We see in verse 16. It was 11 disciples. 11 individuals 
were receiving the call. But these 11 individuals also collectively made up a body called the disciples. Okay, now let's fast forward just a, a short period of time, and they become called the church. Okay, so the call, let me ask it in a question form. Was the call collective or was the call individual? You know, tonight I would like to say it was both. Okay, it's not either or, but it is a call that is both. Because when you call everyone within, you have called the group. Okay, that's that's the that's the the idea that I think about when I um, when I think about this. I feel tonight that it is uh, necessary that we feel the call that Jesus placed on us as a church, not only collectively but also individually. Okay, so we have not been given this this pass into a comfort society called the church, but instead we have come into the church as ones that are called. Okay, um, and I'm afraid today that our churches have sometimes lost the urgency of the personal call because we too often look at the collective. Okay, we say, well, the call of the church is to go and to minister in the world that we're in, right? And that's true. But the church is made up of individuals, and so therefore the call is individual. Put your name in there as one of the 11. The call is upon you if you are a child of God. So tonight we want to look a little bit at the role of the church as, um, as part of this call and also uh, the role of individuals. So first of all, the role of the church uh, in, in um, reaching out and to, and to be um, a part of this embassy of Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1. And, and we're going to go through a lot of scripture tonight. And I'm going, to, um, I'm going to be picking out things. And I might, hopefully we don't go too fast with any of it, that we, that we lose anyone along the way. Um, but Acts chapter 1 and verse 23 through 26, what is the role of the church as a part of the embassy of Jesus Christ, as a part of the one that, uh, of, of this group? One of, I believe one of the first things that we see is a role and a responsibility of the church is to provide spiritual leadership. Okay, and we see that here in Acts chapter 1, verses 23 through 26. Very familiar passage again. And they appointed two, Joseph called Bar. Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias, and they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go uh, to his own place. And they gave forth their lot, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Okay? Pretty factual. But I believe tonight that it is important that we understand that one of the roles of the church collectively is to provide spiritual leadership to the body of Christ. Tonight, you have been blessed as a congregation with spiritual leaders that God has, has given to you. Appreciate and love them. God has a, a purpose in that. Now, just forward to Acts chapter 2. And verses 41 through 47, and we're going to see the result of, of what took place. These, these apostles that, that went out and, and were sharing the gospel. 
Verse 41, and they gladly received his word, were baptized the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Okay, this group of, of, of men that were called to leadership. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, as every man had need, and they continued, continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking up bread from house to house and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added unto the church daily such as should be saved. Look at the result, okay, of what was taking place here in the book of Acts. There was, there was structure that was being formed, okay? Church leadership, and then we go on into some of these blessings that, that were taking place. Look at the blessings of unified church life that was encouraged by godly leadership. Okay, that's what we see here in, in, this, in these verses. They were together with one accord. There, was a, there, there is a powerful testimony tonight of a church that is unified to the world that is around us. Our world that we live in, dear ones, tonight they see, they're drawn to places of unity, okay? They are drawn to places that, that provide unified fellowship. They, they want to be a part of that. We also see that this is a place of personal growth. The church was a place of personal growth. Uh, in verse 42 and in verse 46, we see that, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. I see their spiritual growth. The body of Christ, the collective body of Christ, is there for the spiritual growth of its members. Going to verse 46. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house. And, and, they, and they were unified. And there was a place that these believers had fellowship. It was almost like the church was the docking station, the recharging station. Okay? The place of refreshing for the body of Christ, for the individuals that made up the body of Christ. Look at what was happening. People fellowshipping around the things of the Lord. I believe this was, you know, a heavenly place. I believe this was a place where these disciples, these believers, they longed to come to because of what was there. But it was also a place that touched community. Look down to verse 47. Praising God and having favor with who? With all people. Tonight, when we have a unified church that is a recharging station, okay, where there is fulfillment of, 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 of the soul, it creates favor without. In other words, here what was, here's what was happening in the book of Acts. There was a unified body of believers that loved one another, that had fellowship with one another, and, and out of that fellowship, something grew. Okay? Out of that unity, something grew. What was happening inside the four walls of the church affected what was outside of the four walls of church, is what I see here. They had favor with all people. They were, they, they were, they were being able to minister to those that were outside of the church. And it says here that the Lord added to the church those that should be saved. Now, that's a pretty picture. 
I don't know if that, I don't know if that excites you tonight, but that something stirs in my soul. When I think about a body of believers, a body of believers like this here tonight, having that opportunity to have something so refreshing within that it affects what is it without. That's beautiful. And that gets me excited. When I think about born again, Bible believing, on fire, people being utilized in the kingdom of God. One more thing that takes place that I don't know that we're going to take time to turn to is that the church provided direction for evangelism. You could go into Acts chapter 13 and verses 1 through 3, and it's the account where Paul and Barnabas were called to go out on a missionary journey, okay? And it tells us there that they were filled with the Holy Ghost and that they sought the Lord and that they fasted and that they prayed and that that God laid upon them the names of Paul and Barnabas and they were directed into the works of the Lord in other places. The Holy Spirit through the church gave direction to the work of evangelism. The focus of the work was the Holy Spirit direction in the lives of people, particularly in Acts 13, it was Paul and Barnabas. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they went out to minister. Tonight, the evangelism of the church was simply a natural outpouring of a church and a people that were spiritually alive and fellowshipping with their Lord. It was a natural outpouring of that. And I believe tonight, the role of the church is central in this ambassador program, okay, this ambassadorship uh, in, in, as we go about what we are called to do. I already mentioned this, to be ambassadors, for the church to be central in that role as, as in, in, in reaching our communities and so on, it is not done by creating a comfort club for us within the church. I come back to that because I think it's something in North America that we miss a little bit, okay? We, we like to be comfortable. How many of you like to be comfortable? <laughs> we all like to be comfortable. But if that is the goal of church life, we are going to badly, badly miss the mark that God wants for the church. The role of the church in sending out ambassadors for the kingdom of God is done by propagating spiritual life through Jesus-centered teaching and through spiritual renewal of the people that are within. Okay? So think about it. People that are spiritually filled within, the message should go out. Out of this place of unity and fellowship, where people are spiritually filled, there is a natural outpouring. It's because there is spiritual life within. Evangelism tonight is not a goal. Evangelism is a result. I want you to think through that. Evangelism is not a goal. Evangelism is a result. When we must make evangelism a goal of our churches, we better check the spiritual, the spiritual temperature that is within. Something for us to think about. We could go into Revelation 
God spoke very strong words to the church of Laodicea because of the spiritual temperature, and there wasn't much happening without, it don't seem. Okay? They were pretty focused on what they had within. So there's the role of the church in being an ambassador into a community, a, an ambassador into the, the world that is around us. The second point tonight that we want to look at is community. Okay, so, so we, have the, we have the embassy, okay? We have the embassy, which is the church, right? And, and um, this embassy is placed somewhere. And tonight, I would like to say this embassy is placed in our community. I will say this yet, and I'm, I'm not sure if I'll say it later, but I believe as, as the, the work of, of reaching out into a community and allowing the Spirit of God to flow out into, into our world that we, that we live in, it is important for the church to be that place, that, that safe haven in that community that, that the believers can come back to. So who is our community that we are, that we are living in? Um, if we turn to Luke, and let's turn to Luke chapter 10, a very familiar passage of scripture again. Luke chapter 10 is, Jesus is, is given the question, and he don't say, who is my community? But he says, who is my neighbor? Okay? Neighbor and community, I think, could be kind of interchangeable in this, in this account. Um, and we see what takes place here in Luke chapter 10 and verse 25. We understand uh, this account. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up, verse 25, and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Tonight, that question rings in our ears. Who is our community? Who is our neighbor that we are supposed to go out and minister to? And to give to and to, to be that ambassador to, if we want to put it into our title tonight. Jesus confirms in the following verses that we are to be engaged with our neighbor. We know the account. There was a man that went from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among the thieves, right? And they, they, they did a number to this man. They stripped him of his raiment. They took everything he had. They beat him up and they left him in the ditch. Okay? That was, that was the condition of this man. And we know the account how the priest and the Levite, they came along and they had, they had lofty expectations and goals for their day. They were headed probably to the temple. And, um, and it says they seen this man and they passed by on the other side of the street. And they went on their way. And along came a Samaritan man, and he had compassion. And he knelt down, and he fixed up the wounds, and maybe he gave him a coat. Put him on his beast, and he took him to an inn. You know, every one of us has an individual community. Okay? We have individual relationships. So... Many of our relationships overlap somewhat, okay? But I would like to say that our communities are as individual tonight as there are people sitting in these benches, okay? Just for instance, let's just use Brother Ryan and Brother Nate. They know a lot of the same people. You are all part of their community, right? 
But I am sure that Ryan knows some people and relates on a daily basis to, to, to some people that Brother Nate does not even know. And the same is true for everyone in this, in this audience tonight. And um, we have coworkers, business associates, neighbors, family, church. Our world is as unique as the people that are sitting here tonight. Okay? And, and so we become then personally responsible in our community, in our world, in our, in our sphere of influence, if you will, to be an ambassador for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Some of our worlds are pretty small, and some of our worlds are pretty big. In my, in my growing up years, we, uh, I was a preacher's son, had uh, more than one church that I called my home church over the years, okay? And, uh, and I think I attended four different schools throughout my school years. You get to know a lot of people in the, in, in the course of a lifetime. If you move churches and schools a few times, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of community that you have. Now, we become responsible because we have an individual community. My community has needs. Do you believe that? Does your community have needs? Mm-hmm. We all, we, I see you saying yeah. Our communities have needs. You know, we feel a little smug when we look at this parable. Because we look at this parable and say, if there was a man laying along the street and he was bloodied, I would help him. How many of you would help him? We, if any of you say no, at least you better call someone. Okay, <laughs> okay, and we feel smug in that. We say, "Well, I'm not the I'm not the Levite or the or, yeah the, uh, the these the priest or the Levite. I would have helped." Did you know tonight that there are people within my community, okay, using making this personal tonight, that are in the same condition as that man, okay? Not in a physical way, but let's spiritualize this for a moment. There are people within our own communities that are that man. That's laying in the ditch. They're weighed down. They're struggling. Life is hard. They're an emotional wreck. They're spiritually lost. And they're in my community. And then I have an option, right? And then I have an option. I can go over here... <laughs> And say, yeah, I got past that person today without any damages, okay? Without any loss. Without any expenditure. Or we can be the Samaritan man that sees, that understands, and that invests in that person that we come, in, come across. The priest and the Levite, they... Mind you, they were the religious people of their day, okay? I don't, think it's, I don't think that's by chance that Jesus used them as an example. They were the religious people of their day, and they missed the need. They had big obligations. They had, they had important things to do, and they missed what was most important. I understand their feelings of obligations, but dear ones, tonight there is no greater obligation than to meet the spiritual and physical needs of our community. 
of my community. That is the most important thing that needs to happen. The priest and the Levite felt no personal responsibility. Zero personal responsibility. The Samaritan felt a personal obligation to meet the need. No matter where we find ourselves on any given day, there are needs that meet us. And I will say this, don't expect to be used by God in a community that is not your own if you can't be used in the community that God has already placed you in. Okay? And I see, I see here that priest and Levite were going about their daily business. The Samaritan was going about his daily business. They were being either not used or used in the community that God had put them in at that moment. You know, I think sometimes it's important that we identify our communities, okay? That we sit down and say, really, what are the needs of my community? Now, using a physical sense of communities, my community that I live in now is much different than the community that I left just a several years ago, okay? The needs are different. The, the, the challenges are different, okay? But they're all still there, okay? No matter where I'm at. Uh, it's just... There, there's just some different, um, just some different things that is that are there. The challenge is wherever God places us to be that vessel that God can use to meet those needs. So we have the church, that is the ambassador, that's the embassy, and we have the world in which that embassy dwells, the community. Okay, and now there is a connection. Okay. There is, a, there is some sort of connection that must take place from what happens here, okay, in these four walls, and what is out there, okay? There must be some sort of connection. Let's walk with Jesus for just a few moments. Remember, Jesus is, is the one that we want to look at this week and focus on. Turn with me to Matthew, um, and we're going to just walk with Jesus just a, just a, a little bit here in Matthew um, and in Matthew, if we begin in, in chapter 5, okay, of Matthew, and, and we're going to kind of do this brief overview, okay, just, just a glimpse, kind of a snapshot of what, what Jesus was doing. In Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, first thing that we see that, that Jesus is going, we know of this as what? The Sermon on the Mount, right? This was the greatest sermon that was ever preached, okay? The greatest sermon that, that anybody has ever preached. It was... It was um, it was the message of the gospel and a message of the kingdom of God. And it was beautiful, okay? And it was sound doctrine that Jesus presented to his followers. As Jesus presented this message, he presented sound doctrine. And I would like to say tonight that sound doctrine is the foundation for our connection with our communities. Dear ones, tonight, if you don't know what you believe... If you don't know what sound doctrine is, it's a dangerous world out there, okay? There's a lot of different ideas that float around, and we've got to know what it is that, that we really, truly believe. And we need to have the message of Jesus Christ and the message of the kingdom of God front and center as we relate to our communities. 
You know, when the disciples, uh, I think it was in Acts where they said uh, they took note that they had been with Jesus, right? Okay. When we get out into our communities, we should know Jesus Christ to a point that our, our world, our communities, know that we've been with Jesus. That there's something special that is taking place within our life. We're here to, to carry the message of the kingdom to the lost, the hurting, and the self-righteous. And they all present their own challenge. I'm just going to put something in here real quickly. That as we take the message of the gospel to our communities, we need to differentiate at times between the message of the gospel and our own cultural practices. Okay? We have a culture. Okay, as Mennonites, we have a tremendous culture, and it is a good culture. Okay, it is it is a godly culture, and I praise the Lord for 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 what um, for what He has given us. The culture is good, many blessings, many important things, but the message of Jesus Christ should never be overshadowed with the message of our culture. Okay, we we have a strong culture. We like to cook and bake and clean and we like to work hard and farm and you know all of those things our culture should not overshadow the message of the gospel i have come across this numerous times as i've related to people in the last little while where they know of mennonite culture okay and they appreciate mennonite culture and i'm afraid sometimes it overshadows the message of the gospel and i say sure okay and, and they say, well, you're good people. Look, you use bacon, you use, do all these wonderful things. People loved Mennonite baked goods up in our area. And, it's, and, and yet I say, but that's not what's important, okay? It's the message of the gospel. So just a little caution there. We can love our culture, but we need to make sure the message of Jesus Christ is front and center. As we go into our communities, the doctrine of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of Jesus Christ need to be front and and center of the message that we have to give. Now, let's just flip back to Matthew chapter 8. Okay, so he, uh, Jesus finishes the greatest sermon on earth. And then what does he do? Okay, he goes out and he begins to interact with his community. He goes out and he begins to interact with the people that were around him. We're just going to, I'm not going to read, I was, I was debating if I was going to read this or not. For sake of time, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to, okay? But in chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, um, we see that Jesus interacts with the leper. The leper comes to Jesus, and he says in verse 3, I will be thou clean, okay? So what does Jesus do? He goes out, and he interacts with the leper. He touches the unclean, and he ministered to where contagious diseases were. Is that a message for our day? with all the germophobia that is going on in our world today, and I'm not saying it's all wrong, but we need to be willing as ambassadors for the gospel to go to where contagious diseases are, okay? That's what Jesus did. He reached out and he touched the leper. That was a no-no, okay? That was, that was uncalled for in, in, in that time. This man was an outcast of society. Jesus related to the outcasts of his world. Now, verses 5 through 13. Jesus goes in verse 5, and then Jesus entered into Capernaum, and there came unto him who? 
A centurion, a Roman centurion, came to Jesus in verses 5 through 13. And Jesus ministered to the household of this military man. Think about some connotations that that would raise, okay, in our world today. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 14, the very next verse after 13, Jesus goes and he ministers to who? Peter's mother-in-law. He goes into into her home, probably most likely a common home of his day. And he goes into that home and he ministers to Peter's mother-in-law. Possibly like hospital visitation, okay? And he goes there and he meets the needs. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 23 through 27. Jesus gets his disciples in a ship. They get out in the middle of the, of, of the, of the sea, okay? And there was waves and Jesus was asleep and they, they said, Lord, save us, we're going to die. Jesus ministered to his own disciples, the people that were within his inner circle. Dear people, tonight it's like ministering within the body of Christ, okay? You see what is taking place. Jesus ministered everywhere. In 20, uh, verses 28 through 34, Jesus ministered to the demon-possessed man, those with mental and emotional need. Jesus was there and he ministered to those needs. We could go into Matthew chapter 9. There was a man with palsy. There was Matthew the tax collector. There were publicans and sinners. He actually sat down and ate with them. He rebuked the Pharisees. He was invited to a, uh, a, a ruler of the synagogue's home to heal his daughter. He ministered to the, to the needs of an emotionally distraught woman. This is all in chapter 9. Jesus had... A tremendous connection with his community. How could Jesus connect? How could there be a relationship with all of these different people? How do we make that connection? Jesus had a relationship. We want to look at some things that, that we can see here in this passage of scripture and maybe just some general observations. Jesus had a relationship. I want you to notice something about all of these accounts is that Jesus met these people where they were, okay? He did not sit inside the four walls of the synagogue and say, well, I wonder where the hurting people are. I wonder where the blind people are. I wonder where the emotionally distraught people are. I I don't see any need. That's not what our Jesus did. He was out there and he was ministering outside of the four walls of the church, if you want to put it in, in our language today. He walked among the lepers. He sat in the house of the publicans. Places that were off limits for the religious people of his day. He went there. Here's what I'm saying. If we're going to minister in our communities, we need to be a part of our communities. Okay? We can't sit inside the four walls of the church and say, well, I wonder where the needs are. We hear that sometimes, right? Well, I didn't, well, I didn't see anything. If we're going to be a part of if we're going to minister to our communities, we need to be a part of our communities. I was, first year that we lived where we do now, we were invited to a, we were invited to a neighborhood cookout. 
And now the neighborhood cookouts in our area probably differ greatly from the neighborhood cookouts in your area. And I decided, I, I debated, what do you do? You know, I have a young family, what do you do? And I decided to take my family to the neighborhood cookout. They have a daughter, some of my children's ages. And I said, okay, we're going to go. We went to the neighborhood cookout. And there were some things at that neighborhood cookout that I could have done without. Okay, there was alcohol there. There was, but you know what? I had opportunity to minister because I was in that community. It gave us lots of good opportunity to talk to our children about alcohol and some of those related things as we came home. And so, you know, it's important for us. Yes, there's dangers. Okay, let me back up. Yes, there's dangers in being a part of our communities. But dear ones, there is dangers in isolation. Okay? There's dangers on both sides. You know, there are people that say, well, how do you raise your children in a, in a setting like that? You know, I think sometimes our children are a greater witness to the world than what sometimes we are. And, um, and I think we do well to be careful with the influences that, that, that we allow our children to be influenced by. But there is also that way in which, as I have my 12-year-old son with me, I can use those things as teaching opportunities and building blocks in his life. Okay, so there's, there's a fine line, but it takes wisdom. Um, I grew up in a home where our doors were always open, and we had lots of interesting people come through our doors. And I am thankful tonight for those opportunities. People from off the streets, people that were hurting, they were welcome in our house. They came for meals. They came and they went. Dear ones, tonight, we need to be a part of the community if we are going to reach the community. I'll say this, if our only concern is to build the fences higher to retain our own, we will fail to be a part of the communities in which God places us. There's a fine line there, okay? There's a fine line there, there's balance, but we need to be aware of that. Another thing that we see here with Jesus, he had relationships. There was also an avoidance of politics, okay? Chapter 8 and verse 5, and Jesus entered into Capernaum, and there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. A Roman centurion, okay? That's who this man was. The centurions were Romans. And if Jesus would have had the correct, in quotation, political views of his day and of his culture, he would not have ministered to the Roman centurion. It burdens my heart to hear expressions of political views by our people. It really does. For Trump, against Trump, for Biden, against Biden. This policy is bad, that policy is bad. You know, you, you, you hear it, right? I was visiting with a neighbor man of mine. It was over the time of the president, past presidential election. And he was struggling if he wanted to vote or not. And he said, you're not going to vote, are you? And I said, no, I'm not voting. And told him why a little bit. And he went on talking. And anyway, and I said to him, I said something like this. I said, well, listen here, Bob. I said, you know, I can go to the, I can go and I can vote. But I said, however I vote, I said, I am going to alienate myself from about 50% of the population that needs Jesus Christ. Okay? And he said, oh, he said, you know what? I never thought about that before. Dear ones tonight. 
our focus needs to be the focus of the kingdom of God. Leave this earthly politics go. Jesus did. He, he had no business getting into discussions with this Roman centurion if he had the correct political politics of his day. Another thing that we see about Jesus is he was available. And I must hurry along. He was available in uh, chapter 8 and verse 7. Take a look at what he says. And Jesus said unto him, I will come. Availability. Jesus was available. Reaching our communities requires availability. So often our agenda of less important things limits the message of the kingdom of God to those that truly need it. Chapter 8 and verse 20. We see that to touch our communities requires sacrifice. Jesus said unto his disciple, said unto him, to this man, he said unto him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Okay? It requires sacrifice. This goes right along with availability at times. It requires sacrifice. If our personal comfort is our highest priority, we will again and again fail to reach our community. Okay, I come back to comfort. <laughs> okay? And I just, I, that's just the way I see it. Because I'm just like you, right? I like my recliner, all right? And I have a, I, I, that's a pretty good relationship. It's a pretty comfortable relationship. But sometimes that limits us from being effective in reaching our communities. To touch our communities, to touch our world also requires time. This goes right along with availability and sacrifice. To meet the needs of others requires time. Go back to the, the um, Good Samaritan. I'm sure he had places to go and things to do, but it took some time. He bent, he bent down and he ministered to the needs of the person that was in front of him. And, um, and he ministered to his needs then. And he provided for his needs in the future. Okay, again, some sacrifice that, that took place. And I know tonight that sometimes having enough of time in a day requires some creativity. Okay, I, I, I understand that. It does really, it does really uh, require us to balance all of these things in life with work and family and, 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 and meeting the needs of the community that is around us. It takes wisdom tonight to know how to balance all of those things. Jesus faced this very same challenge. He needed some time to recharge every now and then. Okay? And so there is a necessity for time, but we need to be, we need to be um, willing to, uh, to, to balance that time. Requires energy. Ministering to people is personally draining. Many of you know that. You know, sometimes there's those families or those people that stop over and you just know it's going to take something out of you. It's just like... You know, it just, it requires energy. It requires gentleness and understanding. Jesus never condemned the, needing, the needy or the seeker. Jesus told the woman that was taken in adultery, she, he said to her, he said, neither do I condemn thee, right? Go and sin no more. Dear ones tonight, our world knows condemnation, okay? They know guilt, we talked about, about personal guilt earlier this week. 
they probably most times don't need us to tell them what is wrong with their lives. They really already know what is wrong with their lives. But they need us to show them hope. They need us to show them Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel. Jesus' only condemnation was for the self-righteous and the spiritually blind. If you read through the scriptures, think about that. Only the self-righteous and the spiritually blind, willfully spiritually blind. Jesus had words of condemnation. Jesus' message was totally different to the scribes and the Pharisees or to a man like Zacchaeus where he says, I'm coming down and I'm coming to your house today. You see, there was a difference in how he related to them. Requires a tremendous amount of patience in guiding and discipling people, discipling needs. Most of us have known the scriptures for a long time. And you know, sometimes we, we have a person that, that is new in the faith. Maybe they're 35 years old, just like, or 37 years old, just like me. I'm off a few years if I'm not careful. Um, and, and they're 37 years old, just like me. But they've only been on this Christian journey for two. And I've been on this Christian journey for many more. Okay? And somehow we just think because they're 37 years old like me that they should just get with the program. Right? Do you ever have that feeling? Dear ones, tonight we need patience. We need endurance. We need gentleness as we deal with those that are coming to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. There also needs to be acceptance. People in our communities around us are people just like me, and they're just like you. Sure, we've been raised a little differently, maybe, but they're people just the same, okay? And there is a requirement for a level of acceptance. We face the same kinds of struggles. We face the same kinds of needs, right? By the grace of God, God has redeemed us out of our sin, just like God can redeem them out of their sin. We are no different than the most ungodly person that is out there. There is no no special grace for those that have been brought up in a Christian home. And we we, we are no different than the people of our communities around us. Something practical in this is learn to depend on the neighbors in your community that haven't, maybe don't have the same belief system that you do. This is something that I was challenged with in the last number of years. Some years ago when I was living in the Lancaster area, I didn't have to depend on anyone but my brothers in, in Christ or my family, right? If I needed a toll, I jumped in my truck and I buzzed down the road one mile and I, and I robbed my neighbor's shop. I put it onto my truck. I went home, did my job, took it back, put it on the shelf. And it was just the agreement we had. And he did the same thing to me, okay? And it was, it was a blessing. It was beautiful. But when you're outside of that kind of community, you learn to depend on other people in a different kind of way. And they see your need, it makes them much more available for, them to see, for you to see their need, okay? And, and it, it, it goes back and forth. Sometimes we pride ourselves in being self-sufficient, and we need to be very, very careful with that as we relate to our communities. If we have an air of self-sufficiency about us, we have everything buttoned up and perfect. Do you expect them to come to you and say, Brother Nate, I have a need, 
okay? They'd say, no, he's got everything together, right? Another thing that we need to be is unashamed of the gospel. We never need to compromise truth, lower our standards to meet the needs of people. But we need to hold up and live godly, biblical principles that draw others to the embassy, okay? That draw others into that body where unity and fellowship are. Mark chapter 8 and verse 38 says, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. God wants us to be people that hold forth the message of Jesus Christ unashamedly. Okay? This is the message that you need. Dear ones, tonight, we have the message that the world is longing for. It's not a message that, that is going to get us in trouble. Okay? Well, it might. But that's okay. It is the message that the world is longing for. They don't know it. But it's true. The last thing that we want to look at is compassion. Dear ones, tonight, if we don't have a true compassion in our hearts for our communities, we will never reach them. Just think with me back to the Good Samaritan. He knelt down. It was compassion that took him to his knees. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38 we get a glimpse again of Jesus. And this is what he says in verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. How's that for a summary? Look at that. That's a tremendous summary. Teaching, preaching, healing, every disease among the people. He was involved in the community. But look at what he says. But when he saw the multitudes, I want you to catch this next phrase, he was moved with compassion. The motivation for Jesus Christ to meet the needs that were around him was compassion. It was a true longing and desire in his heart to see every one of those people that are outside of these four walls to be inside of these four walls. And he was moved with compassion because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And he said unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. As I already mentioned, we will never meet our community if we are not motivated by compassion and love. We need to have a genuine love and care for our communities. If we do, we will get involved. We will care. We will be moved to action because of our love for them. Because we want to see them spiritually filled. You know, tonight, we need to put on eyes of compassion. We need to put on eyes of compassion that don't see people for, for, uh, for who they are in the physical, but for who they are in the spiritual. And it's through that motivation, dear ones, 
that, we, that, that it causes a motivation within our lives to go out and to rescue them from the clutches of sin. Because, dear ones, we have experienced the fellowship of the body of Christ. Right? We're people that have been within and we have, we, have been a, we have benefited from the unity of the body of Christ. Of the brotherhood that is here, the kingdom of God. It should motivate us through compassion to reach out and to bring others to the knowledge of the gospel and the knowledge of the truth. In conclusion, verses 37 and 38 Take a look at what Jesus is saying. He said there is a tremendous harvest out there. He said there's only one problem. There's not many harvesters. Tonight, we're in a farming community, and we know the urgency when the crops are ready and there's no harvester, right? We have a tremendous urgency that comes upon us. The harvest is ready. Jesus Christ is pointing out to his disciples. He says, look, the harvest is there. Dear ones tonight, why are we not more active in that harvest? The work is large. The work is intense. But there is a harvest. And when there is a harvest to get in, that's all that matters, right? I'm I'm comparing it to the farm, right? When there's a harvest to get in, that's, that's the priority. But I will say this, that it requires us to be filled with the fullness of God. And dear ones, where do we get filled with the fullness of God? In his word and in fellowship with with the body of Christ. We need to be people that love to come back to the embassy, okay? That love to get spiritually recharged so that we can go out and harvest. That's what God wants for us. And you know, tonight, as you look at this body of believers, as you look at this building sitting right here, and now recently another, another place in Port Treverton, there become two embassies for which the body of Christ can recharge and meet the needs that are outside of those walls. Dear ones, tonight, the calling is great. The work is large. But we have a leader Jesus Christ. And he will not let us down. He will never let us down. Let's be people that feel the urgency of being a plugged in part, okay? This is first, a plugged in part of the body of Christ where we can be spiritually renewed so that we can go out into the harvest. Young people, don't try and go out into the harvest if you're not plugged in in the church. That's for all of us. We need to first be plugged in here, and then we can meet the needs that are out there. I trust tonight that as we looked at the scripture, that our hearts have been stirred, okay? My desire tonight was to draw us to, to yearn for something more, okay? To, to reach out and, and, to, and to grasp a hold of what is God's vision for us here at Millmont in 2021. At Word of Hope, am I right? Okay, Word of Hope in 2021. What is God's vision for the church? Can we fulfill that vision? By the grace of God, we can fulfill that vision. We can reach out, we can touch the lives that God puts into our path. May God bless you. Like I said, as I, be, as I began, this was kind of born out of the idea that you're starting another congregation and I wanted to just kind of shore up 
the vision for the church here at Milmont and for the church uh, there in Port Treverton. May God bless you as you faithfully continue in that work. And we'll try and do the same thing in Waymart, right, as we, as we go from here. And everywhere, everywhere one of God's embassies are placed, there can be growth of the kingdom. That's my heart's desire, and I trust it's your heart's desire tonight as well. Thank you all for coming. I invite you all back tomorrow night, and as we uh, come tomorrow, come praying. Tomorrow morning, Lord willing, we're going to be looking at the, um, at the home, and particularly child training, okay? Um, not a very comfortable topic for me as a father with young children. Maybe a little easier given away from home than at home, <laughs> and, and that's okay. Um, but we're, um, we're going to look at that and see what God can teach us through his word in raising the next generation because that's just as important, and they're just as lost as the people that are out there, okay? And they require our um, guidance. So, Lord willing, that's what we'll be looking at tomorrow morning. So come back, come praying, and may God bless you with a, with a good night's rest as you go from here. Let's stand together for a closing prayer. <clears throat> Father, as we come to the close of this service, Father, we thank you for the example of Jesus Christ, for that example that he gave to us of a heart of compassion for everyone that he met. Father, we are recipients tonight of that great compassion and that great love that he has given to us. And Father, it makes us responsible. And Father, I pray that you would help us to feel the personal responsibility to take the message of compassion and the love of Jesus Christ and shed it abroad in our world, in my world, the people that I come in contact with. Father, I just pray a blessing upon this congregation. Father, I pray that you would bless them with wisdom, with direction, as they continue faithfully sharing the message of the gospel in their homes and in their communities. Father, I pray that you would bless them. Father, I pray now that you would be with us as we go from here. Father, may your grace be upon us. Father, may uh, we arrive safely at our respective homes tonight. And Father, we just commit our ways to you and all that we do. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a good night. You're dismissed. <clears throat>